Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors and over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. Hello and welcome to The Situation Report. Glad to have you joining me. This is the show where we do our very best to give you the information and perspectives you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. My name is Jeremy Stoniker. I am your host. And today we're going to share an older episode of The Situation Report with you. Uh, but man, I, I don't know that there is a, a more relevant time for this episode than right now. <laughs> this is uh, a conversation that we had in the past and yet it applies today perhaps more than at any other time in the past. Uh, the question before us is, how is news chosen? When we look at the popular media, we look at news networks, and we even look at uh, smaller news networks or areas that produce news, the information that we receive, whether it's social media or, again, a larger network. How are the stories that we are given chosen, and why is that important? We right now, and we've talked about this on this show, are looking what, at, at what's happening on a major social media platform like Twitter and how even the changes there are impacting other social media platforms, how our view of media and our view of the information that we're given has changed. Uh, I think many of us, for the first time in a maybe very long time, are questioning what we're receiving and asking ourselves, is it true and is it really the whole story? Today, the interview that you are going to hear is with um, our guest, Kara McKinney. Kara has been on a few different times. Uh, she is the host of uh, her own show on One American News. And uh, man, she's fantastic. I would definitely encourage you to go and check out her show on One American News. Uh, but Kara has such an incredible view of how the news process works. She is now a host, but when this interview was done, she was the producer of another show on OAN and uh, understands the ins and outs, how decisions are made, and shares those with us. So I know that you will enjoy this conversation with OAN's Kara McKinney. Welcome to The Situation Report, where we give you the information you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. Glad to have you with us today. My name is Jeremy Stallnicker, and I'm here with Chad Robichaux, and we're jumping into a uh, conversation today that is of particular interest to me and probably to you as well. Um, the topic on the table, we'll go probably a couple of different ways uh, with this today, but uh, the, the topic, the general topic is how is the news chosen? Um, there is so much information that comes our way whether it's through social media or traditional news sites and the newspapers and all the ways that we receive our news. Um, but, but there's a common thread generally that, that follows. And there are big news stories and stories that dominate the information that we receive. And then there's a lot of other things that are going on that just kind of never bubble to the surface or you have to dig pretty deep yeah. for them. Um, and, and, and sometimes I, I, I step back and go, why didn't that make it to, <laughs> to the news? Yeah. And, and to me, the impact of all of that is we receive what we're given and don't realize how much other stuff is going on. Yeah, we're just talking about this. Like I wake up in the morning, one of the first things I do, 
regrettably, is I, I pick up my, <laughs> my Twitter and I just go through my, I scroll through my feed and I look for headlines. Right. And I see what things interest me. And, uh, and then later on in the day, I'll, I'll do my research because I start researching topics that I'm interested in, maybe even like topical groups. And right. I, I notice something that's so much more important to me yeah. that didn't make those headlines. Yeah. And, I, and I'm like, who is selecting this yeah. stuff? Like, you know, who cares about a, a, a squirrel on water skis? <laughs> when there's real things happening in the world, right. you know. And, and then there's, there's interesting stories. And uh, this is something I, I bring up again and again, and, and uh, maybe our guest can help us with this. But um, uh, the, the Brexit story. Right. This was a huge story for like three years. And everything that went on and the, the changing of the uh, political guard in Great Britain and all the stuff yeah. that happened. And then it happened. And it yeah. was not important yeah. anymore. I mean, so these are interesting stories, yeah. and, and how do we receive news, and how is it selected? Right. Um, so, so someone to help us with that today. We need someone who can help us with this. <laughs> uh, to me, this is really important, and, and I hope important to others as well. Uh, we, we say this a lot, but we need to be very discerning in how we receive news. And uh, so uh, we've invited uh, our friend Kara McKinney to, uh, to join us and uh, help us with this conversation. Uh, Kara has been a friend to our organization and to Chad and I uh, in particular as uh, one of the producers for uh, One American News Network, yes, and in particular for Alex Salvi's show, and we've had Alex on as well, um, and uh, really, you're the heart and soul of that show. Alex is just the face, no. but you make it all happen. No. <laughs> and, no. uh, I know you write a lot of news, uh, uh, not just for Alex's show, but mm -hmm. for uh, the other shows as well. Um, so really thankful you could be with us and appreciate well, your you time. thank you for having me. Thank yeah. you. So I want to run down a couple of things um, because uh, <laughs> uh, you said, here, here are your favorite topics. And I read this and I, I kind of laughed, but then I had to ask the question. So here, here yes. are your favorite topics. Military history. Yes. Uh, Pro-life issues. The Second Amendment. Um, any news of the day, you're in that world. Uh, these are my favorite topics as well. If I had to put a list together, it would be I was, this I list. was thinking the same yeah, thing. I, like we're, yeah. we're kinder spirits. The I, same I read this list and went, these are my favorite topics as well. Um, but here's my question for you. How does someone, uh, you know, a girl raised in California, um, end up with these as her favorite topics and in the really very conservative uh, uh place for news, I guess, if you will, uh, that you are right now. How did you get from, you know, where you were to what you're doing right now? So that's a long story, but don't <laughs> worry, I'll cut it down. Here's a short, short <laughs> yeah, version. Yeah, exactly. So I first have to give credit to my parents. My family, very conservative. We grew up talking politics still to this day. We'll go five, six, seven hours, like literally the whole day will just pass us by talking everything, politics, military history, religion, and my dad loves One American News. Mm. So he told me, you know, maybe you should check it out. Maybe you should just put your resume in. So I did. I shopped around, found the, the contact website. I sent, I didn't really have much of a resume, to be honest. I was just a college student with basically a dream. So I typed up a letter explaining my passions, my loves, and I sent it to One American News. Apparently, the CEO, Mr. Robert Herring, he somehow <laughs> caught that letter. letter. <laughs> and I had prayed a lot, so also I have to give a shout out to God because that's what I felt called to do. And he read my letter. Within seven hours, they contacted me. I came in. I just explained how passionate I am about these subjects. He understood and gave me a shot. And yeah. the rest is history. And from there, I've just been learning and growing each day. Yeah. Wow. It just became the senior producer of Alex's show. Yes. Yeah, which is awesome. Um, 
how much research is involved in not only producing but writing the news for a show like that? That's the entire show, That's really. Entire show, yeah. I come in really early. Uh, I come in around 5.30 in the morning. We don't tape till afternoon. So for those five, six, seven hours I have by myself before we even begin taping, researching. That's what I do. I go through all the top headlines. I go through CNN, Fox, MSNBC, whichever, whenever, you know, whether it's a very conservative websites, I go through very liberal websites because you need to have that balance. What I find is that there's obviously bias in the media, sure. but in some ways it goes both ways and without even realizing it. When you're creating a story, you do confirmation bias, you do cherry picking data and you end up only putting what fits your story at the time. So when you have multiple sources, it kind of fills in those gaps and then you can see the entire picture more clearly. And so that's what I try to do for several hours. Uh, we have other staff members, uh, they're amazing and they do the same and we uh, fact check each other. We make sure that we're all on the same page. We're keeping up to date on whatever the breaking news is because sometimes things happen so fast you could have sure. a story written and within 15, 20 minutes, it's all outdated. Yeah. So. Yeah, interesting. So, I mean, so much going on in the world, in the world right now. I don't mm -hmm. know if there's more going on in the world or just more access to information and probably a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. But with so much going on in the world, uh, how do you pick the stories that the public's going to hear? So that's the thing. It's how do we... It's, we're kind of the gatekeepers in a sense, One American News along with Fox, CNN, MSNBC, and all the other conservative and smaller liberal websites as well. And it's a mix of what we're passionate about and also we also have to cater to what our audience likes. And so that's why sometimes stories kind of fall through the cracks. If it's not what your audience expects from you mm -hmm. necessarily or this, the type of, of story, mm -hmm. um, then you may just pass over for something else. Yeah, because sometimes you'll see something, uh, a lawmaker will make a quip or they'll say something you really want to touch on it and you want to expand it, but maybe it's just not on the cards that day. Yeah. And I'll try and filter that away, put in like a mm -hmm. little uh, file on my computer, and maybe later in the week mm -hmm. a bigger story will come up where I can kind of add that in as a layer. Yeah, I'll try and catch it that way. Right. So we try and bring in as much <clears throat> as we can, but we're only so many people. Yeah. So. So like in the, in the work that Jeremy and I do mm -hmm. outside, of, outside of this show with veterans, um, we always say we, we only want to grow as we only grow our program mm -hmm. as fast as, as fast as we can maintain the quality. Mm -hmm. And so in the news, it seems like everyone's competing to be first. Yes. And so is, what's the balance? How do you, I guess how do you bring the balance between being first, mm -hmm. uh, being timely, being quick mm -hmm. and, and presenting truth? Yes. So for One American News, we are very blessed for the way that we're set up. We have our news side and we have our talk show side. When it comes to our news side, that's where you can get your breaking news immediately as it happens. We do very quick stories. We can get it. Uh, we can get into the show very quickly. Um, we can keep up with breaking news as it's happening. Whereas on our talk show side, we usually wait on after hours. Specifically, we like to do the 24-hour rule. Yeah. Something big happens, we'll cover it the next day. Because what we realize is that when it's happening in the moment, a lot of the times, like you're saying, people are saying all these crazy things. Like, for example, 
uh, when Iran was a big deal back in January. You heard back in January, which is like a <laughs> lifetime ago, right? It feels World War like World was coming, and I went on Alex's yes. show for Iran. Exactly, <laughs> yeah, and it feels so long ago because at the time, all the doomsayer naysayers right. yeah. in the mainstream media were telling us, "This is it. We're going to a war. It's going to be bad." And remember when. Iran retaliated for the Qasem Soleimani airstrike, and they shot several missiles at our, or rockets at our bases in Iraq, I believe two bases. And you were seeing a lot of really fake information at the time. There were blue checkmark accounts on Twitter, you know, the people who are supposed to be the gods of all this wisdom and to have, you know, their, their finger on the pulse of America, and yet they were repeating Iranian propaganda. 20 dead, 30 dead. And so Americans are watching this unfold, believing, oh my gosh, this is this is it. You know, Americans 20, 30, 50 dead. And then come to find out when all, literally, the dust has settled, yeah. there were no dead. Right. Yeah. And that 24 yeah. hour rule that, puts all of that in context. That being first exactly. was more important than being, being, right. being right. Yeah, mm-hmm. being factual. When you, uh, history is something that's important to you. And, yes. And, um, you know, I think military history you're very interested in, but I think history generally. Yes. How important, there's two parts, I guess, but how important is history to you when you're looking at a story, when you're booking guests, when you're you know, putting a show together? How important is historical context? That's the first part. And the second part would be this. Do you think that we have lost something you know, as a society or culturally because of our lack <laughs> of mm-hmm. um, historical context? We just don't teach history anymore, and you know, unless you're passionate about it. And um, you know, I spend a lot of time reading, and, and history is very important to me. But to a lot of people, it's not. How important is that to you as you're producing a show? And then, what impact does a lack of history have on our understanding of the news and the world around us? So, for me, I believe history is everything. It puts it puts the world into context. For example, how many times under the Trump presidency do you hear? The media say, this is unprecedented. This has never happened before. Right. And yet you might be thinking to yourself, Obama did that like eight years ago. Right. And right. even further back, you know, decades ago, oh, remember when Clinton did this or Bush uh, Sr. did that. So I believe that history puts things right, puts things into the correct perspective. That's what I try to bring in to um, the newsroom or at least into the shows that I produce. And, and again, going back to, I guess, Iran, for example, we had... Uh, this airstrike, Qasem Soleimani, he's dead. The media is screaming, this is, you know, unconscionable. How could you? Yeah. Uh, you have people like Ilhan Omar, Congresswoman, uh, House, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, saying that he's a foreign official as if he was, you know, sitting in, you know, in Tehran with the yeah. Iranian supreme leader. Yeah. And all of a sudden we come out of nowhere and yeah. we just... Right. Yeah, destroy everything. An enemy combatant on the battlefield in Iraq. Exactly. He was in Iraq. He was, yes, he was um, in our area in a sense. And when, when Trump says, for example, he says that one of the reasons that pushed him to do that was he wanted to ensure that we didn't get into a war. The media saying he did this to start a war. Trump saying he did it to end a war. So how do you know the difference? How do you know if who's telling the truth, what, is it right. President Trump and his administration, or is it the friendly faces on CNN or MSNBC? So you use historical context. And for example, when the Qasem Soleimani strike happened, that was deterrence. Trump is showing that he's, in a sense, unpredictable for our enemies. He's not afraid to hit you fast and hit you hard, really. He was the number two uh, man in, in Iran at the time. He was responsible for hundreds of American war dead, uh, he helped um, in Iraq the insurgents to create IEDs that have maimed so many of our mm. American heroes. 
And you go back to, say, uh, Osama bin Laden and his funding for 9-11 and his help with setting up the attacks on New York City, the Pentagon, and the fourth plane that crashed into Pennsylvania. What did he tell his men? What did he tell the, the militants following him? America's a paper tiger. You, they might look scary on the outside, but you push them, they run away. What did he use to draw upon? He said, look at what happened under Clinton, uh, Black Hawk Down. You know, we push them, they ran, you know, tail between their legs, they got out of there, ended the mission in Somalia. Uh, going back further to Vietnam, he mentioned how the airlift with the South Vietnamese crying at the gates of the embassy, the Americans fleeing. He points to that to paint a picture to his insurgents saying, don't worry, America's not that scary. You poke them, they'll fold like a paper tiger. He did not expect us to hit him yeah. and to go into Iraq and to take out the Taliban who was giving shelter to al-Qaeda. So when I look at that, when I look at what Trump then did, does several years, many years later in Iran, is that's deterrence. He's showing Iran, because that's, you know, our bad actors right now, and he's saying, look, I'll hit you, I'll hit you fast, and I'll hit you hard. We're not running. We're not putting our tail between our legs and getting out of here. And that's why when I, when I saw what Trump did to Qasem Soleimani, I wasn't afraid. I wasn't like, this is World War III. I knew that that was the best he could do to get us to ensure another endless war did not begin. Because again, I was looking back to history and I realized that when we try to play Mr. Nice Guy, we try to be diplomatic. That's when the trouble starts. I wanted to take a minute to let our audience know about the work that we do through an incredible veterans nonprofit called the Mighty Oaks Foundation. Many of our nation's warriors struggle with the hardships of military service and reintegration back into civilian life. Often they leave broken homes in their aftermath and comprise one of the most at-risk groups for suicide, with over 20 veterans who take their lives every single day. Mighty Oaks tackles this critical issue with our faith-based peer-to-peer resiliency and recovery programs offered at no cost to our honored servicemen and women at beautiful ranches across the United States. Mighty Oaks has one of the highest success rates of any program available anywhere. Visit MightyOaksPrograms.org to learn more about how you can make a direct impact in the lives of our servicemen and women to help them find a new life purpose through hope in Christ. Again, that's MightyOaksPrograms.org. Witnessing the transformation that these men and women go through is absolutely incredible. There are no words to describe seeing warriors restored to the lives they were created to live, changing their legacies for eternity. Your support is needed now more than ever and will ensure that our programs are here for our warriors who are in desperate need. Again, the website is MightyOaksPrograms.org. Have you ever picked up a towel set because it felt really soft in the store, but then when you got to use it, it's not very absorbent? It's basically a towel that's leaving you out to dry. That's why MyPillow has developed the MyPillow towels, towels that work. I know, it's mind-blowing, towels that actually dry you. Their six-piece towel set includes two bath towels, two hand towels, and two washcloths. They come in a variety of colors, and right now you can receive a six-piece set for only $39.98 with promo code SITREP. Go to MyPillow.com right now and click on the radio listener special. MyPillow products all come with a 10-year warranty and their 60-day money-back guarantee. To receive this amazing offer on the six-piece set of MyPillow towels, just go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener special, and enter promo code SITREP or call 800-870-0283. 
That's MyPillow.com, promo code SITREP. So the historical context, and, and so there's a couple things. One, yeah. Osama bin Laden used historical context mm-hmm. to motivate the people that would do yes. the things that you know we've seen over the last 20 years. So he understood that and, and acted on the historical context. Um, our president then uses historical context mm-hmm. to say, you know, historically this has been done and this is what's resulted. Mm-hmm. If we do this, then the, the, the consequence will be different. Mm-hmm. So he makes decisions or his advisors help to make a decision. Yes. Probably more accurate, right? His advisors are looking historically. Um, but then for us as the public, we can look historically and it, it tends to bring balance to the chaos of these situations. And if you take the time, true. If you take, if you take the, time, the time to actually understand yeah, it, the truth, yeah. it's not as confusing as we're often told that it is yeah. when you take into account the historical context. Yeah. It, 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 seems so, it, it seems so mysterious and unpredictable, mm-hmm. but it's really not, is it? No. I think the danger for the general yeah. public is when we lean on, whether it be One American News or CNN, uh, we lean on them for our sole source of information that we take there their opinions as facts. And we need to look back that. more than a day and yeah. <laughs> figure out what's yeah. actually happened, right? Yeah. yeah. Obviously, you're conservative. As, mm-hmm. as conservative in the, in the world of the news, uh, how do you maintain your objectivity but stay focused on the things that are important to your values? Definitely. So when it comes to objectivity and also being editorial, at One American News, I guess I'll just fall back on this as the example because yeah. it's easiest for me because that's what I've known the most. I've worked with some other groups um, in a volunteer basis, but One American News is what I know. For example, when we have our newsroom, that's that's straight news. We are from the producers all you know all the way to the top, Mr. Herring, the, the Herring family. They impress upon us that this is the objectivity side. This is the side where bam, 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 you hit the facts. You don't put your spin on it. You don't try and put it into your context. You don't try to make it seem right to you. You just do what is. And we have wires for that. We have Associated Press, Reuters, and we just we just use their facts. You're, you're just reporting the news. Exactly. Right, right. I know it's a novel concept these days. <laughs> and then we have our political talk show sides. Uh, we have Graham Ledger, Liz Wheeler, and, of course, Alex Salvi. And the difference there is that we are we tell the people that this is our... Yeah. You know, our what what would the word you'd like to use the uh, the side for, for opinion, opinion. Yeah. yes I'm there we go yeah. 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 Sean Hannity one of the things I appreciate about Sean Hannity because <laughs> mm-hmm. he clearly has a bias and and mm-hmm. I do love Sean Hannity but he has a bias he's, but he always says hey this is I'm not the news I'm a talk show yes and, uh, and I think I think people get confused uh, as viewers people mm-hmm. get confused with that there's there's the news for reporting, mm-hmm. the facts, and then there's talk shows like on both sides. You get Rachel Maddow and mm-hmm. you get Sean Hannity and, and Alex yeah. and everyone in between. So, yeah. and I mean, I know I'm biased, but I feel that's the way it should be because when I was when I work in the newsroom, I know what my job is and I know what I need to do. Yeah. When and I save all the fiery passion that I have for the political talk show sides, where you're allowed to be opinionated because that's what the people are coming to you for. They're coming to you for what's your take on the news. And when they want to hear it for themselves and make their own decisions, they go to our live news broadcast. And I feel like that's a good model that many uh, news organizations should follow. Um, personally, how do you maintain your, your objectivity and all of Personally, this? it's hard. You bite your tongue <laughs> and you just, you just do it. You do your job, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 And probably historical context helps a lot. Yes. Right? Yeah. And one thing I've realized is that this idea of bias, it really seeps into everything in ways you don't even expect. Sure. 
when I'm researching, for example, recently I did a segment on abortion and there was a, a state law that had gone into effect. And so I was looking for sound bites. I was just looking uh, for some of the facts. Went to CBS, wasn't thinking it's going to be anything like CNN or anything, just thinking they're going to tell me what's going on. They bring up a news reporter on, and again, they don't say that this is going to be opinionated in any way. They just bring on the reporters, say, what's going on? Lay out the case for us, what's happening in whatever state. She comes on and she makes her, you know, her case. She explains what's going on with the law. I'm very pro-life. And so as I was listening to her, I was like, this isn't making sense. That's not... Lo and behold, I go and pull up. The ACLU was fighting the state law. She had taken all of the ACLU's talking points and given them to the CBS viewer as if that's just what it is, if that's just the fact. For example, when they refer to us pro-lifers as anti-choice, trying to take women's rights away, she used the ACLU's talking points word for word almost. She never gave credit. She never said this is what the ACLU's side of the story right. is and here's what the state attorney general is saying on the other side of the lawsuit she just said this this is the truth this here's is how it is yeah and when i saw that i was like so sneaky so just <laughs> we have to be very very there. careful how we consume definitely news. and and from where we consume news you, you mentioned that we yeah. can't just take any any single person's uh view no matter we'll yeah. end up in the wrong place um question that um we asked alex when he was on the show and then he asked me last time I was on his show, and I got it wrong. Um, history has demonstrated that I got the answer to this question wrong. Um, from your perspective, watching the news every day, we're in a political or a presidential cycle right now. We have the Democratic um, nominating process going on. And as this show is being uh, produced, this show is being produced, um, I don't know when it will air, but uh, a lot's going to happen this week in, in regards to that. But who will be, in your opinion, you had a crystal ball, the nominee for the Democratic Party, and how will the uh, the election uh, unfold in the next several months? That's definitely the question everyone I, I wants to answer. Okay, okay, perfect. That's a good question because if you had asked me before South Carolina, I would have thought Bernie Sanders. He seemed like he was the front runner. Now you're seeing Joe Biden. I mean, somehow he's pulled himself out of the grave. He's making his comeback. That's a good question. Right now, I know this is probably a cop out. I'm going to have to say either Bernie Sanders or Joe Biden. I know you're probably looking for That's one or the other. It's okay. That's okay. Because you see, with Joe Biden, you see Klobuchar and Buttigieg dropped out. Steyer, I don't know if he really counts, but I mean, he was kind of there in the background. Do you think they're dropping out to to embolden uh, Biden? Definitely. I. It's funny. I mean, they were in it, and all since Super Tuesdays. I mean, it's only a few hours away. And they're dropping out now. Yeah. They're dropping out. They're consolidating. Yeah. They're consolidating behind Biden. Yeah. There's word that uh, Buttigieg and Klobuchar might be trying to give some of their delegates to Biden. They might be coming out in support of him. You saw uh, Clyburn came out in support of Biden. You see, and we know this for a while, the, the mainstream Democrats in the media and in the political party, they don't want Bernie Sanders and now you see that they're in the ears of the, the so-called moderates. I don't know if I consider Buttigieg the son of a full-on Marxist yeah. a moderate, but yeah. that's the times we live in. So you see them whispering in their ears saying, hey, if you do A, B, and C, we, you can get behind Biden. He has the best chance of uh, derailing Sanders' yeah. surging campaign. So, I, I, I 
oppose and despise everything about Bernie Sanders' mm-hmm. policies. Mm-hmm. But my gosh, I have a hard time not feeling sorry for him because he's going to get screwed over two, two times yeah. in a row. <laughs> yeah. And, well, uh, well, yeah, well, well, by the time, the time this show comes working. out, yeah. we'll know who was right yeah. and who was wrong. Yeah, the process needs to be the process. And American people should be able to should be able decide, to decide who, decide, who yeah. the nominee is. And yeah. I guess that really speaks to something. Why we should ask ourselves, why is the mainstream media going after Bernie Sanders? Didn't they spend the last four years basically propping him up making him almost their Frankenstein monster, believing that they could use him as like a pet, that he'll just rile up the base, they'll kind of ride on his coattails because, I mean, as much as I can't stand the guy, he does have a movement surging behind him. And they kind of tried to ride his coattails for the past couple of years, and now all of a sudden, they're trying to kill the very monster that they had created. Mm. And I have to ask myself, why? My fear is that a person like a Bernie Sanders, he's going to do what he says. When he says he wants socialism here in America, he's actually going to do it in a way that I don't believe a lot of the other Democrats would. Yeah. And so, I mean, and the point is whether we like him or not, the American electorate has the right Mm -hmm. to nominate whoever they'd like to nominate. Mm -hmm. And and to, in a general election, put whoever their nominee is against uh, currently our president. and I think that's the shame in the process is that it's not as straightforward as it probably should be. No, no. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see who's right. Yeah. I, I don't yeah. know. It's an interesting question. General election. General election. Oh, Trump. Yeah. Landslide. Landslide. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we shall see. Thank you, Kara. Uh, where can people follow you, find out more about you and, uh, and the work that you're doing? Twitter. My handlebar is Nefertari because... You know, Egyptology, history, Nefertari 25. But One American News, we... For those that, you, that don't... Uh, don't know about Egyptology. Can you spell mm-hmm. nef- Nefertari? Oh, sorry. Yes. N-E- You're not all as smart as you. You have to. You have to outline that for us. <laughs> sorry. It's N E F E R T A R I. Oh, there you go. And One American News. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on YouTube. We're basically anywhere social media is. Yeah. You can find One American News's awesome. account, and that's where the bulk of our all of us at One American News, because I have to say, obviously, I don't do it alone. I just, sure, in one person, there's so many wonderful, amazing people there who, and especially here on After Hours with us, we have, I guess I'll give them a shout out, Natalie and Adrian. They work with Alex and getting the show out every day. Yeah. Yeah. So. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate thank your you perspective and, uh, appreciate and your help in understanding some of these things. Yeah. It's a big topic for me. Um, it is. It is. There's so much out there, and it's so difficult to sift through it and know what to, what, what to, What's true and what's not, yeah. and where to go for your for your news. Yeah. This is a big topic, but uh, there are some takeaways, and uh, here's our situation report for today. Three takeaways. Uh, number one is this. We all have to get a hold of this, that not everything you see is everything there is. There's a lot more going on in the world than what is uh, really fed to us or given to us, and that's okay. Decisions have to be made on the production side, but there's a lot more happening in the world, and we just need to understand that and look for it. And that leads us to the second part. We need to be discerning consumers of the news. All of the information given to us uh, comes with a bias. It may be the bias that you ascribe to. It may be a different one. Uh, Sometimes that bias just seeps in. We don't really get to control that all the time. There is bias. Be a discerning consumer of the news. Look beneath the headlines and figure out what's actually going on. And that is really, really important. Third thing, and uh, again, I think this is very important. We talked about this. Historical context is everything. Uh, so much panic, and I think panic sells, and so people push the panic on us. But get the historical context around what's happening, and that will help you discern 
what's actually taking place and really, in a way, give you an edge because you can look down the road a little bit and uh, determine outcomes as well based on history. So some great takeaways yes. and uh, great conversation. Kara, thank you so much. Thanks thank again you. so much. Thank and, you. Uh, we'll do yeah. it again. For those of you that are watching, thank you, and we'll see you next time. Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors in over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors and over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. Many of you know that my day job is working for an organization called the Mighty Oaks Foundation. I've had the opportunity to work with the Mighty Oaks Foundation for a little over 10 years now and very grateful for that opportunity. I served in the United States Marine Corps and left in 2003. When I came back from Iraq and got out of the Marine Corps, I transitioned and had some of the same struggles that many of our veterans today have. Uh, That transition time can be very, very difficult. I moved on with the help and support of my family and others in my close-knit community and really, in many ways, tried to walk away from my service. It was too hard, too difficult for me to look back, to remember, to stay connected, and so I chose not to. About 10 years after I walked away, I was reconnected with many of the men that I had served with in Iraq and even before that Iraq deployment and came to understand that so many of the men that I served with did not do well. I came home and I struggled, but I had a family around me and I had a community around me that helped me to get back on my feet and continue moving forward. So many of those that I had served with, however, did not have the same opportunity. They came home and didn't have that family around them, that community that could lift them up. And so they made some decisions, decisions that we talk about often in the veteran community. I was reminded about 10 years after my service that some of the men that I served with in Iraq came home and struggled and decided that it would be best for them to end their lives. Others who had not taken their lives, but who had struggled from one relationship to the next, from one job to another, and had never really gotten back on their feet. I learned after 10 years that walking away from my military service was not really an option. You see, we think we can hang our uniform in the closet for the last time and walk away, but our obligation to those that we served with remains. It was at that time that I had the opportunity to get connected to the Mighty Oaks Foundation. It was just getting started. I met our founder, Chad Robichaux, and together we began to work on what is today a national nonprofit serving veterans, active duty service members, and more and more the first responders in our community. That's what we do. 
You see, Chad served in the Marine Corps as well, and both of us have an understanding, and so many of the folks, many, many folks that work with us now who served in the military and in the first responder community understand that we may get out, we may hang the uniform up, but we still have an obligation to care for those who have served or are serving. That's exactly what we do at the Mighty Oaks Foundation every single day. We run programs across the country for those who have served, veterans, or are serving, active duty service members, those who are serving in their community as first responders, police officers and firefighters, and others in that first responder community. We serve them by helping them to understand that there is life beyond their service, that their identity should be wrapped up in more than a uniform or a job that they've done or are doing, that there is a purpose, that there is a plan. In fact, that God, the creator, has something he intends for them. And that if they'll simply align their lives to the life that he has for them, so much of the trauma, so much of the difficulty, so much of their past, so many of those things that have a hold on them, they may not go away, but they won't maintain the hold and the control. Here's the message we try to convey and communicate. There is hope. And there is a community of people found within the Mighty Oaks Foundation that understand where you've been because we've been there. We don't have it all figured out. We're certainly not perfect, but we've taken some steps to move forward and we want to take you with us. That's what we do. How do we do that? Again, by communicating the fact that there is hope, by connecting with others who've been there and know how to move forward and by getting around you and supporting you as you begin to take those very important steps yourself. The Mighty Oaks Foundation is blessed to have supporters across the country that make it possible for us to do the work that we do at no cost to the veteran, the active duty service member, or the first responder. For you to attend our program, you simply need to set aside five days and come to one of our locations, one of our facilities. We'll do the rest. There will be no cost to you for the program, no cost for the transportation to get you to the program. We do all of the planning and all of the logistics. You simply need to get there. We want to remove every obstacle for you to get the help, the encouragement, the strengthening, <laughs> the hope, the renewal that you need. We're thankful for the opportunity to do that. Perhaps you are not a veteran or a service member. You're not in the first responder community, but you care about those who have served and are serving our communities. Well, you may fall into the other category then. Perhaps you're someone that can support what we do financially to make it possible for those folks to come along. Maybe your support is not financial support, but you know someone in your community, in your town, in your church, uh, in a club, or something else that you're a part of that could use this kind of support and encouragement. Plug them in. Let us help them. Let us get them on the road. No cost to them. We want to do the work, but we need you to get them to us. That was a lot of words. If you listen to the show, you know I say a lot of words sometimes. So let me point you to the one place where you can get all of your questions answered. MightyOaksPrograms.org is our website. MightyOaksPrograms.org. There you will find more information about what we do as an organization. There's an application for those who would like to apply. Fill that out, application out. Our team will get back to you. Set everything else up. If you would like to support the work of the Mighty Oaks Foundation, you'll find a place to do that there as well. And there is also a section for resources. So many of you know people who need help but may not start by coming to a program, attending a program, but they would read a book, they would watch a video, they would listen to a testimony. We have those resources there for you as well. So please come and join us at the Mighty Oaks 
Foundation's website, mightyoaksprograms.org. Our veterans, active duty members, and first responders need our support. Maybe you're in that category. You need our support. And that begins by going to the Mighty Oaks Programs website, mightyoaksprograms.org. We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. 